Good morning. Let's pray as we get into God's word today. Father, I love you. I praise you. Lord, I, I thank you, God, because you are holy. Father, you, you are holy, and we give you all the glory, all the praise, all, all the worship that we can. Father, we put you first in our lives. We put you first in everything, Lord. And as we look to your word today, God, as we look at another uh, hot topic question today, God, I pray that you would um, just pierce our hearts. Lord, give us the right, um, the right posture, I guess, to approach you today and to approach this topic. Lord, as these, uh, these topics have been, um, some can make us uncomfortable. Today's no different. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in a powerful way today and show us the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you are new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad to have you here. For those of you watching online, I want to say welcome. And uh, we've been looking at different uh, questions and tough topics over the summer and looking at, at tough questions that don't always have easy answers, as most tough questions don't. Um, and today is going to be no different. But as, as we look at those uh, tough questions and these, these topics that people inside and outside the church are asking, um, I'm, I'm thankful that we're looking at them and, and, and really kind of saying these things out loud that, that need to be said and looking at questions that, that need to be asked. And we're using scripture to help us navigate through these questions with wisdom and grace and intelligence as we know that the Bible tells us to do. And so today you may want to, uh, I, I hope every week you follow along with the notes in the Bible app, but if, if you don't, maybe on a regular basis, today would be a, a really good one to do that with. Um, if you don't have the Bible app, it's a free version Bible app. And um, I was talking to somebody uh, this past week that they didn't realize that you could actually save the notes in there with your own notes to your own account so that you can go back and refer to them at any time. So for those of you that are that like that kind of stuff, there you go. You would hit the, the little button in the bottom right that, uh, that looks like a couple of lines. Hit that, go to events, find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and then you can save the notes uh, for the day and you can add your own notes to it as well. So um, I hope that, uh, that you'll follow along with me. And, and as we get started into this topic, I want to start with one of the big premises of this entire series, which is that connecting with people requires us to talk about tough questions. Connecting with people, pointing them to Jesus, pointing ourselves to Jesus, us connecting more with the Lord and us growing in our faith requires us to talk about tough questions, not push them to the side. And this is true, but sometimes the questions can make us really uncomfortable. And sometimes we take them personally. For example, today's question that we're going to look at, why does it seem like the church just wants my money? Yeah? Yeah, you can hear a pin drop right now. So this question is one that I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure this is a question that maybe some of you in here have. Maybe you're just kind of discovering church. If you're watching online, maybe this is, you're like, wow, I thought this is what I thought, and here we go, and the church is just talking about money. Here we are. Yeah, well, we're going to address some of the objections there because there's this, this idea that they, they just ask for money all the time. The church just asks for money all the time. It's just a facade for them to get paid because they're greedy. And you know what? Certainly there is some truth in, in some regards to, to those statements and those feelings because that may be your experience with church. That might fit into what some of your experience might be 
um, with church. It's, uh, it's funny, somebody was telling me, if, uh, I don't know, about two months ago, um, that they were uh, inviting a friend to church and, uh, and, and they invited them and they had this question, that this was a question that they had and, and, or an objection that they felt about church. And so they invited them to church. Now, for those of you that have been a part of Connect Church um, for the last couple of years, you may or may not remember that it was either the week before or two weeks before. I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty positive it was the week before we had to shut down for COVID. And I gave a message on giving uh, that week. And then the next week we had to shut down for COVID. And that was the week that they brought their friend to church that thought all the church wants is my money and they come to church and I'm preaching about money and they now granted the wall probably went up instantly and they maybe didn't quite hear my heart through it as I hope that's not the case for you today that you'll kind of let the wall fall a little bit and really hear the truth of the word of God today as we do dive into this a little bit but here's an interesting thing so they they left and they're like yeah I'm, I'm not coming back well they got them to come back again and they got them to come back again after COVID and they came back and it was the week that we launched the building campaign and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, you know. Um, I mean, it's just bad timing. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? They, they maybe didn't hear the other 50 weeks that year that I didn't specifically talk about money and giving. Um, but you know what? At the same time, we're, I'm going to preach the whole word of God. And I'm doing you a disservice if you're, as your pastor if I don't preach about giving. Um, so we're going to, to look at it, and, but you might say, well, boy, preaching about money, that's not really friendly to new people or to guests. Maybe, maybe not, I guess, but it's not kingdom friendly to ignore it. It's not kingdom friendly to ignore it. And if we do ignore it, as I said, we're doing a disservice. You know, keeping the lights on, paying the staff, building a new facility that's to be used for ministry and, and all of those things, that's not free, and I think we know that. I think we know that those things aren't free, and we do our very best to be accountable and over-the-top transparent, quite frankly, um, as, as we possibly can with the finances of Connect Church. Absolutely. But this question that people have is rooted much deeper than just utility bills and salary staff. Um, it's, it's rooted much deeper than that. There are many examples of churches other churches and, and, and leaders and, and things embezzling and stealing from the church and, and using it for their own personal purposes. I mean, let's be honest. What are the two times you really hear about a church on national news? Moral failure or the, the pastor or somebody like that stealing money from the church, which you could also quantify as a moral failure, I suppose, right? You, th those are like the main times that you hear about, about churches. And many people don't want to give to the church because they don't trust the leadership is doing what they say with the money, that it's being misused and they're being dishonest. And, and let's just call it what it is. There's some truth to that in the big C church, and there are a lot of people who have ruined it for, a lot, for the rest of us. We'll put it that way. But those sentiments should be a reaction to the people, not to God. But unfortunately, they end up being a reflection on God because of the enormous pushing and asking and even guilt-tripping that is done by people who claim to be people of God. But make no mistake, our relationship with money might be the most important thing in the Christian life. And you may like, at that statement. But let me quantify a few things here. That's why this issue 
comes off as very sensitive to a lot of people. And it's also why it's not communicated well either. And so how can I say that? Well, I want you to notice something about this statement. For one thing, I said thing, the most important thing. So object, right? Not the most important aspect of the Christian life. That's, that's a much broader thing. But I'm talking about the most important thing. And, and so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 for just a minute. But I am going to be bouncing all around today. So we're not really camping in one spot. Um, but I want you to look at this because this really gets to the heart of the whole message today. You may check out after this particular moment. I hope that you don't. But this is the whole heart of the entire idea and answer to this question today. And it's Jesus talking. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a really big statement. That's a really big statement right there. For starters, Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the two are inseparable. Those two things, your treasure and your heart, they're, they're, they're inseparable. You cannot love God with all your heart and not love him with all your treasure. Like, there's no other way to say that. Two entire books of the New Testament, 1 John and James, were actually written to say that our actions validate the reality of our profession of faith. Our actions say, you know, validate it. They don't make us saved, don't misunderstand. We, we can't earn our salvation, but the things that we do, especially with our possessions, validate the truth claims that we make that we are followers of Jesus. And so what's most difficult for believers and just people in general, if not giving of our money, what's more difficult than that? I mean, let's just call it what it is. We work hard for our money. It's our retirement. It's our savings. It's our family. It's our food. It's our clothing. It's our home. It's our kids' education. It's our vacations. It's our, um, our, our fun. It's our holidays. It's, it's a lot of things. It's everything. It's central to our lives. It truly is, in a lot of ways, who we are. And so, of course, we're going to be offended when the church or someone stands up and says... God said that you should give your money freely and that you should be happy about it. <laughs> of course, we're going to feel a little bit offended by that, especially if it's presented poorly. And I hope I haven't presented it. I take this very, man, the weeks that I preach on, on a topic like this, I take every week seriously. Don't get me wrong, but this is a different kind of week of prayer for a message <laughs> when you're talking about money. But the why behind the what, it has everything to do with our heart, not our wallet. God cares more about your heart than he does about your wallet. Again, if you hear nothing else that I say today, if you hear nothing else that God says today, please hear this. But let's be honest, our heart is attached to our wallet. And God knows, he knows that just as well. And because he cares more about your heart, he cares about what you do with your wallet. Money reveals who we are. And for some of us that are squirming right now, I get it. I truly do. But that's why this is an important question. Why do you think it is the only thing in the Bible that God said we should test him in? 
he basically dares us to test him in this area. Check out this verse in, the, in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And tithe just means tenth, if you didn't know that. Uh, the first tenth is what that really means. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God's like, I double dog dare you, right? And now, this isn't prosperity gospel. Don't hear me. Don't, don't hear that. Don't think that I'm just saying, well, if you just give your money, you'll be super rich. That's not what God is saying. That's not what I'm saying. There are different definitions of blessing, all right? However, I can say, from experience, that when we put God first in our finances and we give, that he helps us take care of those things because that's called good stewardship. But see, people know this. People know this verse in the Bible and they take advantage of it and they use it for their own gain and that becomes the problem because the church is full of people and that's part of the problem with this because people can be sinful and greedy and that's why we need Jesus. We can all be sinful and greedy. There are over 2,250 verses in the Bible that have to do with money. Not all of them have to do with giving money and stuff, but just, have, you know, that's kind of a broad category there. But the number one theme of the parables of Jesus is our relationship to our possessions. Not necessarily giving to the church specifically there, but just our relationship to our, possess, to our possessions. Because this is a bigger issue than just are you giving straight to the church. It's a bigger issue than that. It has to do with our relationship to our possessions. Stewardship is actually the number two theme in the New Testament, right behind salvation and the kingdom. It's the number two theme. Why? Because God knows, and Jesus knows, how closely our heart is attached to our wallet. Look at this passage in Mark chapter 12. This is a story of Jesus with his disciples and this very interesting thing happens at the temple. And Jesus has to call it out. Because I believe this was something that was really quiet, that happened real quiet behind the scenes. But he noticed. Check this out. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. So you got to imagine some of the other things that came along with these people that were giving and giving these big amounts, probably like making sure everyone knew as they're putting the money in and all of that. And, and you got to believe that this, that this widow almost like embarrassingly was like dropped in her little bit of change. But Jesus knew that it was all that she had. Jesus knew it was, it was everything that she had. See, he was more interested in how than what. And it's the same with us. He is more interested in how we give than in how much we give. In seeing how people gave, Jesus was not studying their technique. <laughs> he wasn't like impressed because somebody did a cartwheel be before they put in their humongous, you know, 
vat of money or whether they gave online or whatever that looked like. That didn't matter necessarily to him. This woman gave with radical and irrational generosity. This made no sense, humanly speaking, for her to give all of this because this was all that she had. Again, Jesus cares more about our heart than he does about your wallet, but he knows your wallet's tied to your heart. So your relationship to your possessions is tied to your relationship with God. And this is a hard truth, but it is. Your relationship to your possessions is tied to your relationship with God. Deep down, we believe that contentment and satisfaction are associated with financial freedom. We really do. Contentment and satisfaction is something that we're looking for. And we believe that those things are associated and tied to financial freedom, especially in the United States. Our number one priority in the United States is comfort. Let's make no bones about it. There's probably no other country on earth that you could really say that about. Not to the extent of the United States. We think financial freedom will give us that. And there is some truth to that, but it's a moving target. That's a moving target, and that's a temporary comfort. I mean, let's look at the last few months, or the last couple of years. A, a lot of our stress and our anxiety and our worry has been tied to what? Our finances. There's a possible recession coming, they say. You could argue it may already be here. I was excited about 4.15 in gas yesterday, <laughs> right? And we all chuckle at that, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, sweet, it's coming down. I'm like, really? That's coming down. Sick. But you know what? There are people all over the world that are like, hey, I actually can get gas. So, I mean, like, like let's put some things in perspective here. The problem with the term financial freedom is that it's a myth. Financial freedom is a myth. God makes that pretty clear. You can get pretty close, right? It sounds like an attainable goal, and in some ways it is, but even the very wealthy and debt-free people are never actually financially free, not to the fullest extent of the definition of that word. You're always gonna have to be concerned about finances and money, always. It's just the world in which we live. I don't say that. The Bible says that. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He's writing to his, his young protege who's training up and teaching to pastor and, and take on this church. And here's one of the things he focuses on. He says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We can stop right there and that's enough. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That puts a lot in perspective, but let's keep going. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. See, it says want. It doesn't say getting rich is wrong. There's nothing wrong with having money. Please don't hear that. But if that's our goal, right? And then, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. This is one of the most misquoted and misunderstood verses in the Bible. 
because a lot of times people say, for money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what it says. Money can do a lot of great things for the kingdom of God. We're walking living proof of that as a body of believers here with what God's blessed us with, with the building about to open here in a, in a you know, in a few weeks and, and all of those kinds of things and, and the things that God's blessed us to be able to do, the fun beach stuff and all of that, right? It takes money to do all these things. The love of money is where we get in problems. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this. Man of God, woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made, uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, he's putting things in perspective about what's really important, about what's really important in the Christian walk. You know, the best path, the best path to financial freedom is actually to pursue a giving heart. Because you're not necessarily free from having to pay bills or any of those things, but the freedom in that being your main concern as opposed to God being your main concern, that's really the path that we should be striving for. Trying to find satisfaction in stuff and money and contentment there, it's not gonna lead to contentment in this life. It may for a small time, may for a short period, it may even for a season, See, we all want to be blessed by God, right? Absolutely. We all do. We, should, we all want to be blessed by God. Why not? Of course. He's saying that you will not find that contentment in anything but him. You won't find that in anything but him. Our sinful nature pushes back on that, which is why we get offended by the church talking about money. Let's take a survey here real quick. How many of you have been greedy at one time or another? How many of you have been greedy at one time or another? Yeah. There's a lot of you that are lying. You're not raising your hands, and that's, and that's fine. I get it. You're being greedy. You're like, I, I want to keep the strength and energy that I have for myself that it's going to take to raise my hand. I understand. <laughs> it's fine. You know what I'm saying, though. We've all been greedy at one point or another, whether it's keeping the whole pack of Oreos for yourself or hiding it behind the couch or whatever, all the way up to something a little bit further. And if you're my kid, you leave behind the couch. We find it a month later. But I'm not wrong. <laughs> Greed shows up in different ways. Greed shows up in different ways, and there are various examples. And these verses say a lot about greed and a lot about how the number one thing that people are greedy about is money. And when we're greedy, what we're saying is, I am first. That's what we're saying. When we're greedy, we're saying, I am first. And that goes against the way that God says that we should live. The Bible says that if we want to find satisfaction and contentment in God, or in this life, that God needs to be first. And everything that comes along with that. And so I'm going to make a little bit of a, a tough statement here, and that's this. Giving is the primary way that we acknowledge that God is first. <sighs> Think about that, though. It's the primary way that we acknowledge that God is first. It's not the only way, but it's the primary way. Why do we give? The simple answer to that is because we believe that everything we have comes from God to begin with. Everything we have comes from God in the first place. We give because we believe that God has entrusted us 
and that our hope is that the church and the community can, that we can reach people in our community through that. And God has entrusted us with what he's given us to give and use for his glory. And so as we give, it actually changes us. It changes you as you give. And God gives to you so that you can give back to him and that you can, he can give through you. You become more of what God intends you to be. As you give, the world's changed, the gospel is preached, lives are touched, people are fed, VBSs happen, kids come to know Jesus, churches are built, and you and I in turn are blessed by God so that we can give again. See, as I said, I was, I'm doing a disservice to you as your pastor if I don't preach about this because you, you may be in a place where you're boy, I feel like I'm maybe growing in my faith, but maybe I've plateaued. Maybe I haven't, I haven't taken that next step in my faith. I'm gonna push back on that a little bit and ask the question of where's your heart in giving? We'll talk more about that as we keep going here. So what and how are we supposed to give? This goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 23. It says this, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of of the Lord your God. So obviously agricultural society at this point, talking about the first fruits, the first part of your harvest, the first thing of your, your produce. And it says to the house of the Lord your God. Why? Why would it say that? Because every time you get paid, you take the test. Every time you get paid, you take the test. The test of who you are going to honor with your income and you honor the first person that you give to and so here's the hard question back to you are you honoring yourself or are you honoring the Lord see God wants to bless you he really does he really wants to bless you but it's all about the heart and the order reflects the heart and your motive see what releases the blessing from God on your finances is not the amount. It's the order. That, that story of the widow dropping the two pennies in proves this point. It's not the amount. It's the order in which we give that matters. When, when we talk about that word tithe that I mentioned earlier, it's talking about the first 10%. It's not pay the bills and give what's left. Give out of what's left. That's, that's actually not tithing. See, tithing's not giving. It's returning. It belongs to him. In many ways, look at it this way. Somebody said this to me after the first hour. God lets us keep the 90%. How cool is that when you look at it that way? See, it belongs to him. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 say this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. See, when you give your first to God, the rest is blessed. When you give your first to God, the rest is blessed. God says, give me the first one and you will be blessed. You don't wait and see. The tithe and the, the tenth there, the cool thing about that, it levels the playing field because we all play the compare game. And don't tell me we don't, because we do. We all play the compare game. But the, the tithe principle, it levels the playing field there. Because it takes faith 
to give the first 10% regardless of how much that is because it's not about how much, it's about the heart. And I understand this is uncomfortable to hear and uncomfortable to read in God's word. It's uncomfortable to share. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But it's why so many people have a problem with it because greed and selfishness come into play here. See, the thing is, God will always be first whether you put him first or not. It's a characteristic of God. It's a theological term called preeminence. His preeminence, he is above all, he is before all, he is higher than all, and he always will be whether you put him there or not. But a major part of following Jesus is surrendering to him no matter what he says. And we fight and we argue with ourselves and with God over the things that we want, not necessarily the things that are true. You know, I want to keep it all. I earned it. No, you didn't. God blessed you with it. God blessed you with the talent. He blessed you with the knowledge. He blessed you with the know-how. He blessed you with the opportunity to do it and to be there. And yeah, he wants to bless you. Absolutely. But who are we honoring, him or are we honoring ourselves? See, this principle of first, it's throughout scripture. God says, give me the first one and the rest are blessed. And Jesus is the only one who has the power to bless it so that it can multiply. He's the only one. See, God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving so that he can in turn then give to you as well. As we do that, we will receive so much more from him in return. See, he's not against us having nice things. You know, it's not like, this is why we can't have nice things, because we have to get, no. No, no, God wants you to have nice things. No, no question about it. Absolutely, he wants to bless you. But he wants you to have satisfaction in him and contentment in this life. But it starts with satisfaction in him and surrender to him in the way of living your life that means that, that the way we handle our finances, because our finances are tied to our heart, that our heart can't be surrendered to him if it's locked to our wallet. So why does it seem like the church just wants my money? Well, one of the missions and goals of the church is to teach spiritual practices so that you can follow God and you can grow in your faith. And a big part of that growth is in the act of giving. And so maybe it comes off wrong. Maybe it isn't presented great. Maybe some of this is rubbing some people the wrong way and I'm not gonna apologize for the word of God. But it's also why I'm saying I'm doing you a disservice as, as your pastor if I don't teach and preach about this. Because you're not gonna be able to fully grow in your faith in, in all of the ways in which God wants you to if this is an area that you've pushed pause on. Let me wrap it up with this uh, passage in the book of Romans chapter 12 where it's talking about spiritual gifts and the gifts that God has given us to be used for his glory. It says this, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, Serve them well. We've got an amazing group of people that are going to be serving our kids all week as part of EBS. I'm so thankful that a lot of people in our church have developed the, the gift of serving. I love that. And we're going to keep going there. If you are a teacher, teach well. 
If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. So many of you are just encouraging to me, and I love that. I'm so thankful for that. I know that coming to church, hopefully, for all of you, can be encouraging because we run into people who are, who are just really encouraging in that. And then some of you aren't so much. But if it, I'm just kidding. If it's the gift of giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take your responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. See, there are so many different gifts here. Some of us have the gift, the spiritual gift of giving. And maybe you just haven't developed it yet. All of us should actually be looking to develop that gift. Because giving is not just necessarily of our finances. It's also of, of our time, and it's of our stuff, and it's of our talents, and all of those things. All of us should be looking to develop that more because it's so closely tied to our heart for Jesus and our surrender to him. See, if you want to find contentment in this life, if you want to find contentment in this life, be a giver. Just like Jesus was. He gave everything. Jesus gave everything for you. In fact, I want you to think about it this way because God never asks us to do anything that he isn't willing to do himself. The Bible talks about giving of our first fruits and giving of, of our firsts. Do you realize that Jesus, hear me on this, Jesus was God's tithe. He gave of his firstborn son for you and for me. You will never be able to sacrifice or give more than God has. That's why he taught so much about it. So the connection point for the day is that satisfaction in Jesus leads to contentment in life. Not satisfaction in money, not satisfaction in stuff. Satisfaction in Jesus leads to contentment in life. And we need to start there. See, God doesn't need you to give. You need to be blessed. Think about that. If you keep it all, God can't bless you. But he can do so much more with the 90% than you can do with the 100 and it's all throughout scripture. So let me give you a challenge. Let me dare you just a little bit. If maybe this is an area that you haven't stepped into yet for whatever reason. And it's not just because I'm trying to fill the bank account of the church. That's not at all why I'm saying this. I, I could care less. I care about the spiritual health of our church. And I believe that if we're spiritually healthy, the bank account stuff is gonna take care of itself. I wanna dare you, challenge you, if maybe you're not tithing, I want to challenge you to tithe for one year. Tithe for one year. And then come and tell me if God hasn't blessed you and maybe completely, radically changed your finances. I'm not saying that from a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying start tithing and you'll be rich. No, that's not what I'm saying. Blessing is different. Maybe you'll be able to actually breathe a little bit better when it comes to your budget because you're putting God first in your finances. Maybe some of the other things that you're concerned about, God, God will show up and bless in ways that you can't imagine because you're putting him first. I can tell you story after story after story. I'm looking around and I can see people here that I know I've had conversations with who've told me that like, boy, the math doesn't work. But when I put God first, somehow the math made sense and we're actually better off in our finances now than I was before and I took a pay cut. 
Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt trip or any of those kinds of things. Please don't hear me. If you feel like that's manipulation, I promise you it's not. My heart is for us to be a spiritually healthy church and for me to good, be a good shepherd for you. And so that's why I'm, I'm talking about this. This is the only issue that God said in scripture to test him on. So I'm not giving you this test. God is. I'm not giving you this challenge. He is. But think about this as I wrap up here. If the church would collectively get their head around this, and I'm not talking just Connect Church. I'm talking the big church as a whole. Think about what could happen. Every missionary would be funded. Every ministry would have what they need. Every church building would be built and paid for in cash. The gospel would fill every part of this planet. I was talking to somebody last night. We had a, a night before, I'm sorry, we had a missions meeting. We were talking about, we, we actually brought another missionary, which is awesome. But we had to be really careful about how much we're giving. And you think about inflation and the way that that's affecting all of us. Can you imagine the way that that's infl- infecting, uh, affecting our missionaries that are abroad where inflation is so much worse? I would love to be able to like double what we're giving them because of that. But quite frankly, to be good stewards right now, we can't. We got to just continue to send what we can give. So maybe if God lays it on your heart to give toward missions a little more specifically, there you go. But if this idea of giving collectively came together, it really wouldn't be much of an issue because the gospel would fill every part of this planet. It'd be an incredible thing. And it goes back to the principle of who is first. Is God first or am I first? Will you bow your heads with me? You know, the reason that God gave and the reason that he put this principle in place is because he loves us so much and he wants a relationship with us. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, which is why he gave his firstborn son for you and for me. He's not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. See, we're not to just put God first in our finances or in our time. We're to put him first in our entire life. And the blessing that comes from that, you can't explain other than to say it's God. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you're willing to tell us the hard things. I thank you that you love us so much that you don't leave us to ourselves. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you want to bless us. And Lord, I pray that if there's some here that they're maybe pushing back on this, that they're, they're feeling squirming about this, Lord, I, I pray that, that that would maybe be your Holy Spirit and that would soften their heart and they would understand that it's not, about, it's not about filling the bank account. It's about being blessed by you, God, and putting you first. Lord, you care so much more about our heart than you do about our wallet. So Lord, I pray that you would move in a powerful way through each and every one of us. Jesus, it's all about putting you first in our life. Lord, if there's one here or watching online that doesn't know you as Savior, God, I pray that today they may accept the free gift of eternal life, the free gift of salvation. You gave your Son, you gave everything. You sacrificed yourself so that we could have eternal life with you. And all we have to do is put our trust in you for that, to transfer our trust 
from the things that we put our trust in, God, to transfer our trust from ourself to you for that, God. And you want a relationship with us. And Lord, I'm excited to know that one day I'm gonna be in heaven with you forever. And if there's one here that doesn't know that, that doesn't have that assurance, pray that today might be the day of salvation for them. We love you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.